Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go with me over to, uh, to 1 Kings, a couple of passages of Scripture, but go with me over to 1 Kings chapter 17, and then 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, chapter 9. We're in a collection of, of uh, sermons and messages called The Blessed Life. How many of you guys have enjoyed this, this collection so far? It's been really good. I know I've been enjoying reading and studying and, and reading different books and commentaries and things like that on the things that we've been talking about, and, uh, and it's really been encouragement, uh, an encouragement to me, but maybe you're new to the church or maybe you haven't been here in a little while. Uh, we really got a lot of the content and details uh, of these talks uh, out of this book called The Blessed Life. Uh, this was a uh, pastor that uh, pastors the church that, that our church was planted out of, that we were started out of, and it's a phenomenal resource. If you get a chance, go on Amazon, pick it up. It's a great book. It has a lot of great teaching on what it means to be a good steward and to be generous and to live a blessed life because be, being blessed is not about what you possess. It's more about what you release. It's more about you being generous towards other people. The, the scriptures tell us, I think it's in Proverbs, it says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So what is that telling, telling us? That if you want to live a large life, it's not about cars and houses and the things we possess. Living a large life is about being generous to other people, generous in the kingdom of God, serving people, loving people with the blessings that God has put on our life. And so we've been talking about that the last few weeks. But I want to give you this little definition. I've been sharing it every single week. Write it down. Uh, this gives you a good, good context for the word blessed. It's not a southern word. It's not a suburban word. It's not uh, just some churchy Christianese word. It's a biblical word. Um, it's found in a lot of places in scripture. One of my favorite is in Genesis 12, where God says to Abram, he says, hey, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. He goes, I, I want to make your name great, not so that you just have a, a good reputation and, you know, you're famous, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put something on your life so that you can leverage your life to make a difference in other people's lives. That's what, that's what living a blessed life is really all about. But let me give you this little definition really quick. Um, blessed. Here's what it is. It's the generosity of God. Now, not just resources and money. It's just any, any, anything that God wants to pour into your life. It's the generosity of God placed on someone's life for their benefit and for the benefit of others. That's what being blessed is, uh, is that God, he, he's generous towards us and he pours blessings on us. That may come in, in, in the form of finances. It may come in the form of influence. It may come in the form of wisdom. It may come in the form of like what I possess, very good looks. I, I don't know. I don't know how God's been generous to you, but how many in here you would say God has been generous to you? Okay, there's a few of you, you're thankful for the generosity of God, uh, but God is generous to us, yes, for our benefit, like God wants us to, to enjoy life, uh, he wants us to live, John 10, 10, a full life, an abundant life, a life that you enjoy and that you love and that, you know, God wants that for our benefit, he's generous to us for our benefit, but he's generous not just to us, but through us. He wants us to be generous to the people around us. And so that's what we've been talking about the last uh, few weeks. And the reason why we've been talking about this, we do it just so you know, because you can put this in your calendar. Every year around this time, we're going to talk about generosity. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you. So if you don't like talking about generosity and money, just mark it in your calendars. Don't show up during these weeks here. I'm kidding, guys. That's the please still show up. Okay. Um, but 
But we do this, here's why. Listen, I'm, gonna t- I'm just like showing you all the cards. We do this around this time every year because it's during the holidays, which we're about to move into. It's during the holidays that we have some of the uh, greatest opportunities to be generous towards other people. Um, it's, it's one of the opportunities where we're able to serve other people through the blessings that God's poured on our life. And we're gonna have some, some opportunities for you to be able to be generous if, uh, with resources, also with your time to be able to serve our community during Thanksgiving and during Christmas. And so this is a great time to talk about generosity because it's, an, it's, it's the season where people start to you know, lean in, hopefully lean into opportunities that God may, may give to you to be generous to people. So we like to, uh, to talk about this from scripture so that we have not just, it's not just that we, we wanna do things that make us feel good because that's not biblical generosity. Biblical generosity is not whenever we go and we just serve somewhere to make us feel good. That's, that's not what God's called us to, but he's called us to look at the way that he has been generous towards us and out of a heart of joy and gratitude, we then pour our lives out for other people. So it's never guilt-based, it's grace-based. It's grace-based. Read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We are grace givers. We grow in the grace of giving. We don't grow in the guilt of giving. The worst motivation to give is guilt. The greatest motivation is the grace of God. That is the greatest motivation. When you look at Jesus Christ, all that he's given up, the scripture tells us, he who is rich, he became poor so that in his poverty, we might become rich. And that's not talking about money. It's rich in grace. It's rich in the kindness of God towards our life. It's rich in the favor of God towards our life. And it's out of gratitude for those things that, we, that motivate our generosity towards other people. Um, and the other reason why we talk about it during this time is it begins to ramp up for our legacy offering. We've done this the last two years in a row, and I'm gonna tell you what it's about. Legacy is simply leaving, leaving your mark on this earth. It's making a difference with your life. And year one, uh, you need to hear this, year one, um, we were a couple months old, and our, our church gave $4,000 in a legacy offering to go towards serving the families of this school uh, during the Christmas holidays. The very next year, our church gave 40 something, 44,000 or something like that. Uh, And we used a portion of that, a large portion of that money towards the families of this school, disadvantaged families, so that we could serve and love them. We didn't let, the kids didn't know uh, they received toys and stuff that it came from our church. Uh, Their parents were the heroes in their eyes, but we were able to be generous towards those families, make a difference in their lives. And you did that because you were able to be very, very generous towards this school. And they still talk about it, even, uh, you know, almost 12 months later. We're going to do that again. There's some other great things that we're going to do that I'm going to be telling you about in the next few weeks. But here's what I'm telling you right now. Uh, it's on the 1st, uh, December the 1st. That's a Sunday, the first Sunday of the month. Uh, we're going to be receiving our, our annual legacy offering. And um, I'm telling you this right now because of this scripture. 2 Corinthians 9 says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will give a small crop. Uh, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop or a small harvest, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now look at this next verse. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. You must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need, there's a promise, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with other people. Here's why I'm sharing this with you, is that the reason why we start telling you now and we don't wait till the day of and then play some very emotional video that pulls on your heartstrings, you see some disadvantaged kid, you know, like, we're not doing that. God bless people that do that, but that's not what we do. We want you to pray. And we want you to ask God, we'll never tell someone what to give, but we want you to pray and ask God what he would have you give and simply be obedient to him. It's between you and the Lord. And I believe that God is gonna use this offering to make a great difference in our city and around the world. Amen, church? 
All right, so if you have your Bibles, 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to dig into this text. I'm going to give you some context in a moment. But uh, write these three things down really quick. Just I meant to mention this a few weeks ago and I forgot to. But there's three types of, of gospels I believe that people preach. The first one is it's a poverty gospel. Poverty gospel is this, is that God wants us to be poor. There's actually people that preach that. Now, you don't hear that a lot in the West. Uh, you don't hear that a lot in America because we're, we, you know, we're, we, you know, you get it. We're like prosperity people, right, over here in, in the West. We, we, I think we're enamored by possessions and materialistic things. It's just the reality of the culture we live in. But there are some places, I've even been to these places. I won't name the countries, but I've been to these countries and I've been to these in certain churches where there's a poverty gospel mindset, a poverty gospel that says for you um, to live the life that God wants you to live, you should not have anything. You should really have nothing and then just live in humility in that way. It's a poverty mindset. It's a poverty gospel. We don't, I don't believe that. I personally don't believe the Bible teaches that. I do believe the Bible teaches simplicity, but not poverty. Teaches simplicity, maybe being minimal in certain things, but not poverty. Poverty is not just, it's not just about your possessions. It's about an attitude. It's about a mindset. It's about a spirit. When you have a when you when you have a poverty gospel, you'll live in scarcity and you'll never be generous towards other people. And you'll blame it on what you don't have. So poverty gospel is not biblical. The second one is this is there's a prosperity gospel. This is what you see preached a lot in America, a lot in in first world uh, countries like, you know, um, prosperity gospel is this. God wants me to be rich. This is not biblical, by the way. There's, there's some, some of you, maybe you came from a church that would preach this. God wants you to, when they said God wants you to be blessed, they meant God wants you to be rich. That's not biblical because, because that would mean that people that are not rich, but are faithful to God, that, that, that if they're not rich, then they're not blessed. And that's not biblical. So prosperity gospel is not what we preach. So it's, it's not poverty. God wants you to be poor. It's not prosperity gospel. God wants you to be rich, but it's generosity gospel. Generosity gospel is this, is because God has been generous to you, you're generous to other people. Always remember that. That is our point of reference as a church, as, as a church family. You may not, this may not be your church. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you're checking us out. We'd love for you to become a part of the family. But you need to know that's the context that we talk about generosity in. Now, 1 Kings chapter 17, give you some context here. Um, I talked about Elijah a couple of weeks ago when, I, when we talked about depression and anxiety. And, uh, and it's amazing uh, when you begin to dig into his story that in 1 Kings chapter 17, there's a new king in Israel. His name's Ahab. Uh, Ahab is the husband to, remember Queen Jezebel we talked about? Uh, and, and Ahab and Jezebel were some bad, bad leaders, okay? Um, be, under their leadership, the scriptures say that, that they did a lot of evil things in the sight of the Lord. And so um, God sends Elijah this prophet. A prophet is someone, uh, someone that, that speaks on behalf of God to a nation or to an individual. And God would oftentimes speak through these prophets to the nation's leaders because God wanted his nation, the nation of Israel, to be led in the ways of the Lord. But Ahab and Jezebel were leading the nation away from the Lord. As a matter of fact, they were setting up, uh, they were setting up temples to worship the, uh, the God or the false God Baal. Um, and by the way, here's an interesting fact. Do you know that Baal, one of the symbols for Baal was, was wild dogs and Jezebel later on when she died, she was thrown off by her own men, thrown out of the palace onto, to her death and wild dogs ate her flesh. So the God that she desired and that she worshiped actually devoured her. It's unbelievable. And, and this was a couple that was leading the nation away from, from God. And so God sends Elijah to go give Ahab a word. 
And he says, uh, Ahab, here's the word of the Lord for you. Um, It's going to stop raining and it will never rain again. No rain means no harvest. And and it's going to stop raining. Make it rain. You know, whatever. Y'all, I had on a pair of Jordans earlier. They made me take them off because whatever. Anyway, make it rain. But anyway, No rain means no harvest. And so God sends Elijah to Ahab and says, Ahab, listen, because you have lived this way and because you're leading people this way, I'm not going to allow it to rain and you will have no harvest. Therefore, you will live in famine until you turn your heart back towards me. And he says, when you turn your heart back towards me, then the word of the Lord will come and will bring the rain again. God's word brings the rain. And, and, and the rain brings the harvest. And he says, until, until you turn your heart back towards me, it's not going to rain. You're not going to see harvest. You're going to live in famine. Now, as you can imagine, this probably stirred up Ahab and Jezebel a bit. And so God sends a word back to Elijah and says, you need to go. And you need to live in this other area. And you're going to live by a brook. And at this brook, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bring, listen to this. I'm, there's, this brook is where you're going to get your water from. And I'm going to send ravens to bring you food so that you can eat. And I think that the, probably one of the first propositions I'd make to you is this, is that your job, though it may be good, you need to understand your job is not your provision. Man is not your provision. God is your provision. So even when you may lose one job or one season may close, remember that God is your source. God is your provision. For Elijah, Ahab was not his provision. The king, those in leadership, listen, currently people in leadership, I think we should vote, praise God for, a, for a political leadership, but it does not matter who's in office. They are not our provision. Your boss is not your provision. God is your provision. God is my provision. So God provides for Elijah. But then the scriptures tell us that the brook dried up. And so God sends another word to Elijah. And he says, I want you to get up and I want you to go. And you're going to go to a specific town. And we're going to read it in a second. You're going to go to a specific town. And when you go to this town, there will be a widow there. And again, I'm going to provide for for you through this widow. And this is where we'll pick up the story. Uh, Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of, I can't pronounce that, Zara. We'll just say Zara. Go to Zara. Go to the village of Zara. Some of you like to shop at Zara. It gets all your your provision, if you know what I'm talking about. Near the city of Sidon. And look what he says. The Lord says this. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. He said, I have instructed. I've, I've, I've given a word to this woman. This is actually, think about this. This is actually a Gentile town. So she's probably not a follower of God. And yet God speaks to a Gentile, a non follower of God to provide for one of his leaders, for one of his followers, for one of his faithful. And he says, um, I've instructed the widow there to feed you. So he went to Zara uh, as he arrived at the gates of the village. Look at this. He saw a widow gathering sticks, not even gathering wood, gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her and he said this, would you bring me a bite of gluten-free bread as well? I love how Elijah's always eating bread. This is one of my kind of brothers. I mean, he's just always like, bring me some carbs. So he, so he asked this widow, but she said this, I swear by the Lord, your God, your God. See again, she didn't say by my God, by your God. I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. She's living in poverty. She says, I don't even have a single piece of bread in my house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. 
I was actually just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. She's a poor widow living in poverty and famine and scarcity in a very broken, desperate place. And I would imagine in this moment, this poor woman, I mean, think about this. Think about this precious little widow lady. Her husband has died. Many people in, in, in this context would consider you cursed if that happened, would consider you an outcast or reject. And she's, she's just on her knees in this town gathering up sticks so she can go back home with her son. I don't know how old he is. Probably a young boy. Going back home with her young son so, she, so they can make their last supper, a little bitty meal. And she's thinking, my future is imminent. It's death. We will die. And God sends Elijah to her. Now, if I'm Elijah, as soon as she says this, I'm like, I must have picked the wrong widow then. Because <laughs> there's no way. God, there must be a rich widow in town because, because you don't like meet the criteria for someone that can provide for someone else. And yet this is precisely the person that he calls to her. It, the first time I read this story, I'm going I'm to be real with you. The first time I read this story, I thought this. What kind of leader is Elijah that he would request from a poor, broken, desperate widow that's about to die? What type of, of spiritual leader are you that you would request out of her? You remind me, Elijah, of some of the TV evangelists that I see that take advantage of the weak, that take advantage of the elderly. That you remind me of some slick salesperson, Elijah. The first time I read this, this is what I thought. I don't know if you've, if you've ever thought that. Maybe you thought that when you're reading this, like, Elijah, really? What kind of leader are you? And then you can even begin to ask this question. Elijah's only doing what God has told him to do. So therefore, maybe you and I should ask the question, what kind of God are you? That you would ask a poor, desperate widow to provide for the, what kind of God are you that you would do that? That you would request, maybe I should even say command that you would, you would provide for this guy. Goes on and, and uh, says some incredible things. Elijah says to her, he says, um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, exclamation point. See, when you're living in poverty, you can, you can get under the weight of fear. It says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But, but make a little bread for me first. <laughs> Again, I'm thinking, you insensitive? <laughs> Did you not just hear what she said? <laughs> it's like, I'm going to pick up the steaks, cook the last little bit I have, and we're going to die. Okay, before you die, uh, can you make me a sandwich before you die? First, I know that you're hungry. You probably haven't eaten in a while, but I want you to feed me first. Me first. Not you first. Me first. And then you get the leftovers. Again, it's like, Elijah, what in the world is your problem? But again, he's only doing what God has told him to do. He goes on and he says, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. And then the most amazing thing happens the next few verses. And I think it explains what type of leader Elijah was and what type of God God is. Because we don't read scripture just to find out a bit about ourselves. We read scripture to get the proper view of who God is. You and I will never live generously unless we first get a proper view 
of God's heart towards us. Because if you just read this, with like just quickly read through it, you would think that God is a bad God. Why would he ask me to give? Why would he ask me to give to a church or through a church? Why would he ask me to give away my money when I live in a city that costs so much to live? Like, God, I don't understand. Do you not see that I'm struggling here? It's easy to have the wrong view and concept about who God is. But look what it goes on to say. Elijah, God speaks to Elijah says, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Notice how many times in here, in this whole context about generosity, it's all based on the word of the Lord. It says, for this is what the Lord says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. There will always be enough is what he's saying. It says there'll always be enough until the rain comes. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. You see, I'll tell you what kind of God would direct this widow to give like this. A good God. A gracious God a generous God, a merciful God, a providing God. Listen, God wasn't trying to get provision from her. He was trying to get provision to her. This is the proposition of the text. Is it's not that God sends Elijah, this pastor or prophet to go and to pillage a widow's pantry. God sends a prophet because she's a Gentile and she has no connection with a gracious God. And so God sends grace through a leader. God sends grace through a prophet. And he shows him and he says, hey, listen, first, if you'll just take what you have and first honor God's word that he's already spoken to you, you're going to unlock something. This is the principle. God could have sent Elijah anywhere for his provision. Could have sent him to a rich guy's house, to a rich lady's house. God just used ravens to bring the brother bread. He could have used anything. God could just be like, Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> Closed on Sunday, sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be here all day, guys. God could have sent him anywhere, but God, God chose this town because he wanted to find this woman and he wanted to do a miracle in her life. And so God sends Elijah not to get provision from her, but to get it to her. And we know this even more, watch this, because later in the story, the woman's, uh, supposedly Elijah lives there for maybe even two years, some scholars say. And he's living on like the, in the upper room, which is essentially like a rooftop space at this widow's house. And her son's growing up. I'm sure that he's, He's eaten meals with them and has built relationship with them and they now trust him and now he's no longer a stranger but he's family and then her son gets sick and then her son dies. And then she begins to question things. She's like, wait, 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 wait. I honored God first. I, I gave to this guy. God provided for me. Things have started to work out and now my son dies. My son gets sick and my son dies. To a widow, a son was not just her family, it was her future. Because later the son would provide. But the thing that she thought would provide for actually has now died. And so she looks to Elijah and she says, have you come here to point out my sins? Is this what's happened? Is it because 
of my own brokenness? Is it because of my past? Is it because of things that I've done that now God's mad at me? And again, she's gonna see a side of God that she's never, ever even considered before. God takes this guy, Elijah, who came into the home initially asking seemingly for something from her. God uses Elijah again to bring something to her. Elijah goes up, goes up to her and scripture paints the picture that she's holding her son. This widow's holding her dead son in her arms. And he walks up to her from gathering sticks to gathering sons. He walks up to this broken widow that is now has nothing. And he says, give me your son. She takes him from her arms and goes up into this upper room and lays the boy down on his bed. And then the scriptures tell us a very odd thing. I don't know why he did this like this, but he stretched out the boy's arms and legs and he laid right on top of the boy. He's laid completely like just, this was against custom. This was against law. You don't touch a dead body for a Jewish person, especially a Jewish leader like this. And yet he lays on top of the boy. I think it paints a picture of Christ when he comes to us in our, in, in our, when we're dead in our sin and he's acquainted with our suffering and he's touched by the condition of where we're at in our, in our lost state. And he lays on top of him and he begins to cry out to God for mercy. And the scriptures tell us that the provision of God through life comes back into the boy's body and he's resurrected. It's the first resurrection recorded in history and in scripture. And he picks up the boy and he carries him back to his mother and he returns the boy to the mom. Here's just three things I want to tell you really quick and, and I'll wrap up. Three, three principles I would tell you or three, three little things I see about her the way that she gave is she gave first. She gave first. She gave first. I think the second thing, and I'll break these down. The second one is she gave in faith. And the third one, she, see, the first two, she was aware what she, of what she was doing. Because the word was, you give to God first, right? She gave first, so she was aware of what she was doing. She was aware of her, her, her sacrifice that she's making. But she gave first. The second she was aware of, she gave in faith. Faith in what? That God would provide for her. But the third one, this is so good. This just makes me want to take off running out the door and like run down the street. <laughs> The third one, she was unaware of what she was giving into, and it was this, she was giving into her future. And she wasn't even aware of it. It's brilliant when you think about it. I think the first one about giving first is this. We've talked a lot for the last few weeks because we're trying to get this into the culture of our church and into the, really more than the culture of our church, into our hearts, is that we've talked about the tithe. And tithe is simply a biblical word that means 10th. That's it. When you look throughout scripture, it talks about how God would call his people to give a tithe of their increase, of their income, of their crops, or whatever it may be, to come before him and to honor him. And this was one of the scriptures we've used in here. Honor the Lord. So notice it's about honor. It's not about amount. It's about honor. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. There's other scriptures, Exodus 23, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 26, Nehemiah 10. I can go on and on, Malachi. I could go on and on and on in the Old Testament and then Jesus referred to it in the New Testament. We believe at our church that tithing is not necessarily a law as much as it is a principle and a practice. And the reason why God's given us the principle and the practice, it's to do this, is to teach us to honor him. 
That's what it does. It's, it's, it's no different from when you exercise, you're training your body, right? In the same way, you're exercising, it's a practice so that you can learn this. It's, it's, it's more than a tradition. It's more than, a, you know, some sacrament. It's a practice that you're, di- you're being disciplined in and it trains you and it teaches you to honor the Lord. But it is about honor. But I'm telling you, it's, it, it's honor through obedience, obedience to his word. There's some, some people that do believe that it is not, uh, it's not biblical to tithe anymore. I would say, if you just read study for your, if you read the scripture for yourself, study it. And I would ask you to just ask the Lord, what would you have me do? If this is you, then speak to me to do it. That's what I did. So I studied scripture because there's great, even these two books I have up here. One talks about tithe. One talks about just something a little bit different. And I love both of them. But where I settled on this issue was this, is I wanted to tithe and I wanted to give a tenth of my income and, uh, and, and the, the first of my income to and through the local church. And here's why, a couple reasons. Number one is this is the place that I get fed. It's not just the place where I feed, it's the place where I get fed. You know what? I leave here every Sunday with a full heart. Not because I came in here and I received the word, but because I came in here and I got to serve you and I leave full. My life is full. I get fed here. So I want to feed the house that feeds me, right? And so that's one of the things, but I want to share with you a scripture and to support that. Deuteronomy 14, set aside a a tithe, which is a tenth, a tenth of all your fields, fields produce each year. Watch this. This is so interesting. Then go to the one place where the Lord your God has chosen to be worshiped and there in his presence, this is interesting, eat the tithes of your grain, wine, and olive oil and the firstborn of your cattle and sheep. Do this so that you may learn to honor the Lord your God always. Again, the tithe is a teacher. It teaches us to honor. But notice this. This is so, I've never read this before. I read it today and it was this morning. I was like, I got to share this that their tithe, literally their tithe, they would bring it to the place that God had called them to worship. And when they would come into the presence of God, they would actually consume of that which they brought. So they were being fed on their provision that they brought into the house. So no one was showing up to worship without bringing something to provide. And together they would all eat and receive and rejoice in the presence of God. And I would just encourage you to think like this. This is how I want to think. I think God's called me to this church for the rest of my life. I I, I think he has. I really believe that. I hope he has because I've given up a lot to be here. And I really have no other option, guys. (laughs) You're stuck with me. But God may, here's what I know about our city. Jennifer sent me a stat the other day. I think it's about 35% of the people living in SF right now are thinking about moving away. To, because of affordable, you know, affordable housing and things like that. That's a reality that in this room, there's some of you that may leave this city, this church and move somewhere else. God may call you somewhere else. And if he does, here's what I hope, this is just a pastor trying to lead you well, is that whatever church you do land at, if it's this one or another one, make sure that you go there. There may be a season where it's just, you're, you're kind of knocking the tires, checking it out to see if it's a legit church. Listen, I get that. But at some point when you plant your life in that church, the place that feeds you, I encourage you to feed it. Let there be reciprocity there. You know, the reason why we're able to do what we do is because there are people that faithfully give every single week or every time they get paid here. And I wanna say this to you, thank you, thank you. I sat with somebody this week and they shared about their family coming to our church and how this church, how much this church means to them. And they weren't a part of a church for a long time. And now they are. You know why they're able to do that? Because people gave so that we could create this. This wasn't free. Someone paid, we are sitting in someone else's sacrifice.
I wanna encourage you, let's feed that which feeds us. But so that's one thing is that, that she gave first, which is the tithe. I believe is the tithe. I do believe it's biblical, but she gave in faith. It was a faith thing. She didn't know if, if she was even gonna have another meal, but because of the word from God, which was that if you honor me first, then I'm gonna take care of you. She, that was a faith thing. Listen to me, tithing and giving and your money, sowing it into church, sowing it into the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what it's about. It's about your faith growing in God. It's about your trust and your reliance and dependence upon God. That's what he wants. God does not need my money. He does not need your money. He does, we're not paying for the heaven's light bills, right? But what God wants is, God wants our hearts. He wants to know that we are relying on him. When I believe that whenever we, whenever we honor God first with our resources, here's what we're saying. God, you are my source. My job is not my source. You are my source. You are my provision. You are my provider. And I trust that God, that I can do more with 90% and with you having 10 than if I have 100%. God, I believe that you're my provision. I believe that, that, that no matter what, God, you are my provider. So she gave in faith, but the last one she gave into her future. And here's what I would tell you is this, is that I believe that whenever we, it's interesting that when the scriptures talk about giving, it talks about sowing, which is what, uh, agrarian term. It's sowing seeds. Do you realize that, that when we give, we're sowing seeds into the kingdom? And what happens is when we sow seeds into the kingdom, we're sowing into our future, but also into other people's future. She gave into her future. She didn't even know how she would receive a miracle in another form. And I'm telling you this, I, I don't believe that God is a vending machine. I don't believe that we give to get that works selfishness and greed deeper into our heart, but we give to give, understanding the principle that God honors our faithfulness, our sacrifice, our generosity, and us sowing into the kingdom. Whatever a man sows, he reaps. God will not be mocked. It's just the way that the kingdom of God works. And so I wanna encourage you, be, don't be a, a, a small planter, be a generous planter because you're sowing into your future. In some way, listen, I don't know how you're gonna see a harvest in your life, but it may be in a way that you don't even understand. I know that, I, that Jennifer and I, we made a decision a long time ago that we would honor God, not just with our tithe, but honor him by living generously towards the kingdom of God, both in, in our church, wherever church we were planning into, but also in other people's lives. And we said this, God, we know this, that if we will be generous and we'll hold everything with open hands and with a soft heart in your kingdom, that God, we believe that there will come times when we will have a need and you will supernaturally meet our need. And he has done it. He has done it over and over and over again. I wanna encourage you with this. We're gonna put this up on the slide because this is our heart for you, for every one of you, because we can all do something. So the, 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 these are four ways that you can, you can grow in the area of generosity. I talked about it the other week. I'll talk about it next week. I'll put this up practically every single week. You can grow in your generosity. But if you've never given anything before in church, if this is your church, I'm not speaking to guests. If this is your church, if you've never given anything, just give something. Just try, I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to just test God. That's, you know, the only place in scripture where God says to test him is in the tithe. It's the only place he says, you can, you can test me. Don't test him anywhere else. I don't know what's gonna happen, y'all. You can test him there. But give something. The second one is this. If you've given something before, just give regularly. Just start giving regularly. If you regularly attend, regularly give. Just start giving regularly. Here's a, if you give regularly already, give proportionally. Here's what I mean. That's the tithe. That's 10%. Start tithing of your income to the place that feeds you. Do that, I would encourage you. And here's the last one is this. You, you really want a double dog dare? Give abundantly. I dare you. Double dog dare, that's old school. That's like 1987. I dated myself. 
give abundantly. And here's where you can do that is our legacy offering that's coming up. I wanna encourage you to start praying because there's some things I'm excited to share with you about that we're gonna, that we're gonna do, we're gonna attempt to do. I have vision for things, but the, and, and you don't determine the vision, God does, but you do determine the pace by which we'll see that vision become a reality in San Francisco as it is in heaven. And I'm gonna share those things with you and I'm excited because I believe we're gonna be able to reach more people. And watch this, you're sowing not just in your future, you're sowing into someone else's future when you give. There will be people because of our generosity that they will come to faith in Christ. They will become a part of the family of God. There are people that may never come to this church, but we'll be able to sow into them and we may plant a seed that will lead to them one day coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's all about that. It's all about our sowing. And even more than that, we have kids. We have all these beautiful kids upstairs. Guess what? If you've been giving here, I wanna say thank you because I have two sons up there and a daughter. And guess what they're here today? Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for you. Listen, you know what they are? They're the future. The church is one generation away from extinction and we're sowing into that. So thank you for the way that you give. Amen, church? Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thankful for this journey of generosity that we are on. Thank you for that, Lord. God, I thank you that we do not, you do not want us to, to live with a poverty gospel or prosperity gospel, but you have called us to live underneath this generosity gospel where we look at the blessings on our life and we say, thank you for the benefits that we reap from it, but God, how can we benefit other people? And God, that's what we wanna do. We don't wanna just benefit other people at a humanitarian effort or just through different organizations. Thank God for those organizations, we need them. But God, we wanna benefit the kingdom. We are kingdom people. We wanna sow into the kingdom of God. And so God, we thank you for that right now. And God, I pray for our church family today that you would speak to us. You would speak to us in this particular area and that we would do exactly what your word says in 2 Corinthians 8 9, and that we would grow in the grace of giving. That as we excel in our knowledge of who you are, as we excel, excel in our wisdom and our understanding of scripture, as we excel in faith, as we grow in all these other areas, may we also grow in the grace of giving. And God, I pray that not just for individuals in our church, but God, I pray for your blessings on our church as a whole. I long for the day, God, when we find out about someone doing something some planning a church or going somewhere, whatever, and we're able to just say, how much does that cost? Because our church wants to sow and we want to write a check and cover it all. I can't wait for that day. We're going to do it, God. We're going to do it one day, God. When there's going to be, maybe there's going to be some kind of tragedy and natural disaster. That's just the reality of the world we live in. And we'll be able to call a church or call an organization and we'll be able to say, hey, how much is that going to cost? We're going to write the check. We're going to cover the whole thing. God, I long for the day that our church is going to be positioned to do that. But we're not going to wait until the conditions are right. We're going to start now. God, a far, your word says in Proverbs uh, uh, or Ecclesiastes, a farmer that waits for perfect weather to plant will never plant. So we do not wait for perfect weather. We do not wait for perfect conditions. We make a decision. We're committed to being generous as a church. And so we, I, as a pastor of this church, make the commitment to you, Lord. That's how we will be every single day. We will live generously towards other people. And we thank you that as we do that in faith, your blessing will be upon Sozo Church. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it today. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.